Greetings once again, Retreat Church. It's good to bring the Word of the Lord to you once again. And you know, there's a phrase that Christians often use that I don't think is extremely helpful, nor is it um, biblically accurate. And that phrase is this, discover God's will. You ever say that? You ever hear that? Well, I'm just trying to discover God's will. I'm, I'm just trying to look at different options. I'm trying to read the scriptures. I'm trying to um, gain wisdom. I'm trying to discover God's will. This phrase leads me to believe that God kind of like hides his will and we have to go find it. It's like this massive treasure hunt that we're on trying to discover God's will. The meaning that if we look long enough, if we uh, look hard enough, that if we seek every exhaustible resource that perhaps you and I can find this mysterious uh, way of living called God's will. You know what? I don't believe that God hides his will. I don't think um, that God makes it a mystery to us what we should or, or shouldn't do. I believe a lot of the things that God is wanting to, to teach us are, are very plain. And the truth that we receive from God, catch this, is not a discovered truth, but it is a revealed truth. God, who is transcendent, right? He's, he's above us. He's beyond us. He's, he's much greater than us. He is the holy other than us. He speaks to us, and he reveals his will. Now, sometimes when you and I are thinking, well, man, I can't find God's will. I don't know God's will. We have to start with what we already know. We have to start with what God has revealed and kind of go from there because, let's face it, a lot of times God gives us his will one step at a time. And we want four, five, six, seven steps ahead of time. We, we want to know everything, how it's all going to turn out. And God's saying, I'm going to reveal to you one thing at a time. You know, as God reveals his will to us, there is something that seems to be common throughout the scriptures that we, all, that we always know is a component of his will for us. And it seems to be a, a, an aspect of his will that as we participate in it, as we practice it, it begins to shed light on the other aspects of God's will where if we ignore this first part, if we ignore what we're going to talk about today, then it seems that the rest of his, his will is, is quite cloudy, does get quite um, mysterious, and we can't really hear so much from God if this one thing doesn't seem to be in place. And what I want to talk to you guys this today about is this, that God's thankfulness, okay, excuse me, that thankfulness, not God's thankfulness, ours, that thankfulness is always the will of God. I'll say that again because I really messed that up the first time. Thankfulness is always God's will. So wherever you find yourself today, I know that some of you are in very difficult times and we're at the um, end of a very difficult year. And you might be asking yourself, what do we have to be thankful for? And you might get a little irritated by, by that statement when I said that thankfulness is always God's will. Well, for the next three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving, we're going to be looking at this idea of thankfulness as a part of every solution, okay? Thankfulness is a part of every solution, and we want to view the end of this world, and we want to begin to view our life through the lens of thankfulness, okay? And I know that for some of us, you, you just want to turn it off right now, but for those of you that are going to continue listening, continue watching, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture in First Thessalonians chapter 5, okay? In this passage, we discover that, we discover this, let me just read it to you, this, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, catch this, for this 
is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So whatever you're facing today, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I quit this? Should I start that? Thankfulness is going to be part of how you're going to live out God's revealed will in your life. Notice he says rejoice always. Always we will, if you're facing tragedy, what, what do we have to rejoice in? I know this. We can rejoice in the fact that we serve a God who has a will for our lives, who has a plan for our lives. And when we start getting thankful about that, when I start looking at my current situation and I, think, and I say to myself, I don't know a way out. I don't know a solution. I, I don't know um, which choice I should make. I feel a little bit crippled, maybe by my own emotions, maybe by the lack of information, maybe by mistakes I've made in the past. And we get really confused and we get kind of locked in and almost crippled in our life. But as Christians, we have God. And we could say, you know what, Lord, as tough as this situation is, as hard as, as, as my problem is, as big as my mistake has been, I am going to rejoice in the fact that I serve a God who will make all things new, who will lead me and guide me in his ways, that will teach me the ways that I should walk and how I should go about it. And God is going to supply a solution. And even if every single bit of the problem is your fault, God is going to fix it. God is going to forgive you and cleanse you, and he's going to move you forward. So from 1 Thessalonians 5, we learn that it is always the will of God for us to rejoice, to never stop praying, and to be extremely thankful. So first of all, ladies and gentlemen, today, for those of you that are asking God to reveal his will to you, listen, his word is telling you that a component of his will is to be thankful and to rejoice in all circumstances. Another passage of scripture to help us understand that thankfulness is always the will of God is found in Philippians chapter 2 verses 14 through 16 where we read Paul writing to the church in Philippi and he says, he says, do everything, see, catch, catch that right at the beginning, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast in the day of Christ that I did not run and labor in vain. So when we look at this, he says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. That is the opposite. So in First Thessalonians, Paul writes, in everything rejoice. In everything, in all circumstances, be thankful. And then in Philippians, Paul writes, do everything without, without grumbling or complaining. So right here at the beginning of this, as you begin to deal with various things in your life, as you begin to assess, because you know we get to the end of, of a year, we typically start to assess that previous year. So as you assess 2020 and all of the things that are taking place in this year, I want you to remember these words of Paul that he tells the Thessalonians, he tells them to rejoice always, don't stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. He tells the Philippians, don't be anxious and don't complain. Right there, there's a position for you. There's a position in which God is going to begin to reveal the deeper things of his will for you. But I truly believe that these are the two beginning agreements that we need to come to with God and say, God, I'm thankful and I rejoice that you're in my life. I don't understand everything that you're doing. I don't like everything that you're doing. 
but I'm going to be thankful that I am your servant, I am your child, and that ultimately all these things will make sense even though they currently are very painful and they don't make any sense. But you can rejoice in that. And then do not get caught up in this complaining. Do not get caught up in the grumbling. Remember the Israelites that turned an 11-day journey into a 40-year nightmare because they complained. Because they complained. I, I get afraid when I hear about that, and I think, wait a minute. If there's a problem, if there's a journey, if there's an issue, if there's a lesson that I'm supposed to be learning, and God is saying to me, Paul, this could be a short lesson. This could be a very short lesson. And if you, if you want to shorten this lesson, if you want to learn your lesson really, really quickly, then you'll rejoice. You'll know, you won't stop praying. You'll give thanks in all circumstances. You won't complain. You won't walk in anxiety. And then when we choose to be in that position, I believe that we're going to shorten the length of time that we deal with tragedy and difficulty. I think that we're going to move through heartache a lot faster if we get ourselves into that position. And I don't think that we'll take these shorter periods of time where God is revealing deeper things to us and he's testing our faith and he's maturing, he's helping us grow up. I think that those lessons will be a lot shorter if you and I put ourselves in a place where we're going to be thankful and we're not going to be anxious and we're not going to be people that are complaining. And notice in this verse in in Philippians chapter 2 that he tells us that we will be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. See, we, we, we don't need to complain about our generation. We don't need to complain about the times in which we live. We need to recognize it for what it is. And, it, and according to the scriptures, people that are walking outside of the will of God are warped and they're crooked. It's enough said. We don't need to belabor that. We don't need to go on and talk about how bad things are and how stupid people are and how, how crooked they are and how corrupt they are. We, we, don't, we don't need to. Just, there's, the, there's the statement. There's the reality. Now let's get about the business of rejoicing. Let's get about the business of being thankful. Let's get about the business of continuing to seek the Lord in prayer. And when we look further at Philippians, if we go in a couple chapters over, we continue this thought that thankfulness is always a part of the will of God. Notice what Paul writes again to the Philippians. He says, do not be anxious about anything. He repeats that. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So when we follow these situations, I mean, excuse me, these pieces of advice from Paul in every situation, remember there's not something outside of this. There's not somebody say, well, you know, we're supposed to rejoice here and complain here. We're supposed to be thankful here and begrudging here. We're supposed to um, walk in anxiety as Christians. We're supposed to let that control us. We're supposed to let that produce in us what it produces. No, there's never a situation like that. We are to be thankful in all situations. And notice what happens when we choose to do this. That the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, see that peace of God. See, if you haven't experienced this peace of God, I'm praying that God would bring someone into your life to help you. You know, when I've lost family members, my parents are gone, my younger sister passed away. You know, there was all of the heartache of that. There was all of the pain of that. 
especially with my, my sister who was younger than me, you know, and, and especially with that, you know, that's not supposed to happen yet, you know, it wasn't supposed to be that way, um, didn't expect that. Um, and with all the questions that can come to God and, and saying, why did you let this happen and how dare you, God, and all, and all of that, you know, all of that opens our heart up to more and more and more pain and more and more questioning. And there, there isn't a path through that that is helpful with complaining, with, um, with, with living in that negativity. Now, I'm, I'm telling you, you need to be real with, you, with your feelings. You need to pour out those feelings before God. Even Jesus himself asked God why he abandoned him. But that did not make Jesus stop. When Jesus asked the Father, why had you, have you abandoned me? He still kept moving forward. He still kept pressing on in the things that God had for him. And when we think about Paul the Apostle, and we think about his situation, and we've been talking a lot about his pattern as we were looking at the book of Acts, taking a little break from that now, but looking at the pattern where Paul was oftentimes abused and ridiculed and had to leave various cities because of the persecution his questions for God and the pain that he was dealing with did not cause him to move outside of God's will, but he kept going. He kept putting his trust in the Lord. He kept putting his faith in God. He kept walking in the obedience that he knew he was to be walking in. And I truly believe that's because verse 7. It's because as Paul began in every situation to pray and make his petitions known with God with thanksgiving, okay, with thanksgiving, that the peace of God began to operate in his heart. I believe that praying with a spirit of thanksgiving and an attitude of thanksgiving, that we can pray, that we do have a God that listens to us, that we do have a God that oftentimes when he's leading us, it does get confusing, but on the other end, he really, he really does take care of us. He makes all things make sense, and, and they will even make sense further at the return of Christ when he restores all things. But I'm praying today that this last piece here, that this really does transcend all understanding, that you and I have peace in our hearts even when we have a lot of reason not to. Even when a lot of our circumstance may say, you know, we should be more complaining, we should be less thankful. But as we enter this holiday season, you and I can still be thankful. And I'm praying that God does that miraculous work in your life and that the people around you See that though you might have things to complain about, you're not. Though you might have things that would cause you to walk away from God, you're not going to. And that pray that people see this peace in your life, even if you can't explain it. Even better so that you can't, can't explain it. So then in conclusion, I believe that thankfulness is possible. If you're looking today and you're saying, Pastor, this is just ridiculous, I, and you're thinking about a life situation, and you're saying, how could I be po possibly be thankful in this? Listen to these next few words as we finish. Thankfulness is possible if we let the peace of Christ rule our hearts. hearts. Notice what Paul says to the church in Colossae in chapter 3 of his letter to them. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That's a very key phrase, beginning of verse 15. Because I think that you and I, we start to push against... We, Something weird happens to us that I can't explain to you that we get so angry with God that when we sense his presence, we want to push that out. And I believe that Jesus wants to give us his peace, but sometimes we push that away because we would rather be angry. We would rather be bitter. 
and we push his peace away because we're demanding our own will to be done. We're demanding that he do what we want him to do, and we're angry, and it's like we're forcing God. But yet, if we would allow his peace, if we would surrender to his work in our life, and we would let his peace rule over our hearts, because he already wants to do that. He says, since here, as members of one body, you are called to peace. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart since as members of one body. In other words, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart because we're all called to this together. We need to be in this together. We need to stay connected. We need to continue to gather together. And as we gather together, it's amazing. I meet with this group on Thursday nights right now, and it's amazing that previous to meeting with them on Thursday nights, I didn't know any of them. And, and I've never even been with any of them in person. We're all meeting via Zoom in this um, re-engagement ministry for marriage that I signed up with, with another church just to participate. And it's so interesting that one of the young ladies part of this group says that we're always better on Friday. We're always better on Friday. It was such an amazing time last night sharing with this group and talking with this group because one of the ladies said, even if we have a rough week leading up to Thursdays, Fridays were always better because we've been together, because we've heard one another. And we leave that group. We turn the, the, the off button. We shut down Zoom feeling more at peace than we had before because we've gathered with people that even if we don't know them, even if we didn't previously know them up to this, we are now in week seven of this study, even if previously we didn't know them, we're getting peace from one another because we're all seeking the Lord. And it's amazing how she's made that statement that we're always better on Fridays. And then he goes further, he says, and be thankful, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Isn't it amazing that when you begin to worship the Lord, you might begin um, worshiping the Lord out, out of a discipline, out of a sense of duty, but as you start to worship the Lord and you start to maybe, even if you can't verbalize your worship, your listening to worship and allowing that to penetrate your heart, how that does that, and how it produces something in your life, how the presence of God starts to move and starts to give you peace as you begin and we begin to minister to one another through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. Isn't that, then that just produce something in your heart? Doesn't that mean that we really should continue to gather together either, you know, in smaller groups online or, or in person outside or however we have to do that? The key is being together. And finally, verse 17, and whatever you do, here it is again, and whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I'm going to leave you with that passage today. I'm going to leave you with that thought of all things all that we do, all that we say. And if Paul wrote today, he would say all that we post, all that we comment, all that we tweet, all that we repost, all that we share, may it be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. Amen. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you today for people that are listening online. For people that are choosing to be in, in, in service worship, we pray, Father, that you would minister to their heart according to where they are. We know, 
Lord, that your will is not something that they need to find, but your will is something that you want to reveal to them. But you're asking them in this season to commit to being thankful, to understand that it is always your will to be thankful. And as we start there, Father, I pray that you would move in miraculous ways to reveal your will to your people who are so desperately in need to hear from you. God bless you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And God bless you, and we'll see you next time.